0: This week we have a real treat for us here on the podcast. We are rec- welcoming Major Brett Parker from the Canadian Forces Snowbirds. Hi uh,
1: uh
2: good afternoon, or I guess morning. I should probably guess afternoon there, I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll
0: be John. morning when this airs, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice to meet you uh, just a few minutes ago, and thank you so much for being here, Major Parker. I'm a little bit fanboying right now. I don't know if you've already noticed, but uh, <laughs> I think Mark and maybe the rest of us are yeah. as well. Um, yes,
3: definitely. <laughs> it's awesome. it's
0: a very impressive thing that you do, and I'm just going to first let the world know uh, uh, why you're here and what you do, and then we're going to say hi to the, the other co-hosts, and then we're going to get into our meat and potatoes of the conversation, so to speak. Uh, first of all, uh, Major Brett Parker, pretty much as, as I've been Told you are the boss of the Snowbirds, and I don't know if 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 boss is a term that's used in the Snowbirds as a, a normal thing or if they just call you boss because it's respect and you're awesome. Um, <laughs> probably both, <laughs> I would assume. Um, but ultimately, uh, I'm so happy that you're here talking to us today. The Snowbirds are something that, as a Canadian, uh, I'm very proud of. I've lived in the states for a long time. I remember when I was living in the states. Uh, hearing about the snowbirds and, and seeing stories about the snowbirds was always impressive to me. Um, but I never really thought of it as creative until we started the podcast. We started having conversations of people who we can talk to. And I threw out the, the, the thought of maybe getting somebody from the snowbirds on. And it was well received by my co-hosts. And when I emailed you folks and you were all in, I was shocked and very pleasantly surprised. So um, why don't we say hi to Ryan? We'll start with you, Ryan. Say hey hey to you. It's been a minute since we've been doing a show. We've had a few mm-hmm. weeks off uh, recently, but how have you been?
4: I've been good, man. I've been working like crazy as always. I mean, that's never going to change. Uh, as You've already talked about I'm really excited for this show. I've had the chance to see the snowbirds a few times in my life, and uh, it's always been an incredible experience. So thank you again for taking the time to be on the show. I'm really excited for this one.
0: Aurora, how about yourself?
3: I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back. It's been a Just like you said, a few week break, um, doing a bunch of stuff. I've been very busy uh, with work and uh, home stuff. Uh, Super excited excited to get into this conversation because every time I've seen the Snowbirds, I've been blown away. It's just such a cool experience. Yeah, (laughs) quite literally. Um, So it's super awesome to be talking with uh, Major Brett Parker today. um, And I can't wait to get into the conversation.
0: Awesome. Mark. You're on vacation, and you made a point to be here, so I know you're. I, excited.
5: yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm fanboying as well. I'm just uh, in, in awe. I mean, uh, Major Parker, I've, I've been a fan of the Snowbirds since I was. I don't know how long you've been around, but ever since I can remember, I've been a fan of the, the acrobatics and the aerial stunts that you guys pull off. And uh, I think the last time I actually saw you perform was back in. Um, I think it was 2019 at the Canadian International Air Show in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, and I got uh, my friend scored some VIP seats for us, and I got some fantastic photos of the entire air show, but most importantly of the Snowbird. So, um, and also my home, my hometown now is Thunder Bay, and I know you guys use that as a hopping point. So, there's quite often uh, you'll fly right over my house, which is uh, awesome. And even one day I was coming up the highway um, in line with the airport, uh, at the runway at the airport, and my dash cam caught, I think, five of you coming in for a landing. So that was really cool. It was the first car at the lights there, and my dash cam caught you. So I was I was pretty pretty stoked about that when that happened. So thank you so much for being here. I don't know how many questions I've got, but I'm definitely interested to hear some of the tales that I'm sure you've got to tell. <laughs>
2: Oh no problems! I mean, that's uh, it's great to obviously it's fantastic to see everyone excited to be here as as am I and uh, I guess so Mark will be passing through Thunder Bay uh, weather permitting hopefully on Thursday this Thursday on our way to Borden this weekend so
5: perfect I'll I'll, I'll fire a note to my uh, my fellow photographers to let them know you'll be landing there
2: yeah yeah we should be making through Thunder Bay probably by around the noon around noon time by the time we lose like right. the hour on the transit so but yeah it should be somewhere around perfect. there perfect perfect very okay, cool.
0: Yeah, well, a big reason I wanted to have you on was to talk about the creativity side of aerial maneuvers. I mean, we look at it as, you know, layman, and see planes doing this very close formation uh, maneuvering up in the sky and think, oh, OK, you know, that's got to be difficult. But I think of it kind of like driving down the DVP. You know just not hitting people you know everybody's so close to everybody else it's it's hard to even navigate that but when you're doing it at speeds that you're doing it at with the safety concerns and with all of the things um i know creativity is a part of it how much of a part of it is the creativity side of it and how much of it is the safety side of planning these maneuvers well be
2: honest actually it it's kind of both i suppose um obviously the the safety aspect is pretty much why we we spend so much time like we have a good six to seven months worth of workup training uh to get to our you know our sh- to get to we get to say show ready um we just finished our acceptance show their our acceptance show completed uh, this past Thursday from the commander of the air force so you can imagine the cycle to get there is um it's roughly about a six to seven months uh where you, you take someone who doesn't really know a lot about I guess what you'd say the snowbird way of doing formation and then they've got roughly about seven months to uh, work into the team uh, everybody gets obviously a number uh, which obviously designates a certain position in the team and then you spend that seven months uh, working you know that the formation gets tighter and tighter and tighter which would be the safety aspect that you're asking about and we talk about the create the, the creativity that goes behind the team and it's one of the things that has actually been what I would say is actually pretty fortunate, and like even being the, being the boss right now. But, you know, when I was on the team before, um, I, I personally have always taken a, an interest in, in show design and uh, designing the shows and designing the maneuvers um, in particular. And so even this year, uh, like I, I was actually on the team last year as number seven. And um, so I was kind of, I already had shown up to the squadron about a year early But I did spend quite a bit of time in the off season um, watching a lot of the old snowboard videos, a lot of the old snowboard shows and trying to, you know, a little bit of that, uh, you know, sometimes old is new again by taking some maneuvers that maybe haven't been flown for a while and trying to, you know, reestablish a little bit of that curb appeal just because something hasn't been done for a while. And that's one of the nice things about the team is that um, if you um, ask any of the other, you know, I'll use mainly the North American based teams, which of course are the, uh, the Blue Angels, the Navy, US Navy Blue Angels and the, the Air Force Thunderbirds down in the United States. Their, their shows are pretty much, they're established by higher command and, and they don't change. It's that's the show that they fly. There's, there's not really any injects um, and that's what you fly. <clears throat> we have always been, had the opportunity to adjust shows as required and we'll move things around. We've got about 150 different maneuvers uh, we can't we can't do it all in one all in one one show we'll run out of gas well before that um so you, you know you, you kind of have your little playbook and and you pick and choose uh, from that playbook that would hopefully work and and ultimately it's all about you know the crowd appeal and hopefully people leave the show you know saying that they've they've had a, a snowbird experience and hopefully they leave with a smile on their face and and um, and you know obviously you want to come back and take pride in about what we're doing and who we represent which of course is every Canadian we, we we're obviously all Canadian military members like uh, active military members but you know a large portion of what else we do is uh, we talk about being ambassadors for Canada and um you know we go down stateside all the time and you know pretty much uh tell people that you know we are part of the extension of our country and, and proud of who we represent and the way that we do things so I guess that's a long winded answer as opposed to what you're asking about. But yes, there is training. But then there's also that other aspect of it from the creative piece that goes into it.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting that the Americans and some of the other guys just basically have the same routine that they have to run out. Do they still design it themselves like you guys do at the beginning? It's still it's literally handed down. And this is what you guys have to do. I mean, wow. there's probably a bit of
2: inject maybe in there from the team to a degree, and I know that the those teams have done a small adjustment to their show. Um, now, I know, like the Blue Angels just brought on a new aircraft, uh, so the Super Hornet's going to be a slightly different animal than the old Hornet was giving them. So they may have had to adjust a few sequences there in order to still provide the crowd appeal. But ultimately, it's still a Hornet; it's just bigger and louder and a little bit faster. So you know you're kind of getting more of the same thing I suppose um but yeah we like I said uh, I brought my you know the card the card that I you know originally designed that I pieced together you know in the off season and you kind of put that to the camera and you kind of oh, yeah, there's the camera you know talk about our high show you know there's our our high show and it's got the sequences in there and then on the back you know it's got our our low show and you know it's got the sequences in there as well but this this card only exists for the for the I guess we go. This card only exists for this year. Um, I've got different cards from my previous five years that'll have a slightly different script and a slightly different profile, uh, different formations and whatnot. So that part for me, anyways, gives me a lot of um, enjoyment. I enjoy doing that kind of stuff, um, sitting down and piecing together things that will hopefully come together and, and work well in a, in a script that allows us to do, uh, which we kind of pride ourselves on is being able to have something going on in front of the crowd at all times. So, you know, we're not in the fastest airplanes. We're not in the loudest airplanes. Mind you, nine tutor jets overhead do make quite a bit of noise, <laughs> um, but when you have nine airplanes, you can, you can do a lot with them. And, uh, cause we're not traveling as fast, um, you know, turn circle size, all that kind of stuff, talking about the physics of flying, it allows us to stay in front of the crowd a lot longer and then provide that crowd appeal, hopefully. And, um, but it's a different show I and mean, everybody likes to compare our shows and, um, but it, I, you know, it's apples and oranges. Um, I, I say, uh, you know, the teams down the down in the States, you know, they're driving the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and, uh, we're driving the, uh, kind of more like, I guess the MGB. So technically we're all in sports cars, but we're all in slightly different classified classifications of sports cars, but it's still a sports car. well let's talk
0: about that a second because the tuner you're talking about um that's been around for almost 50 years now yeah so the plane that you're flying a it's not new so you're able to know it really well and know what it's capable of and really be able to push it to the limits that you know have been tested and, and tried and true which I'm sure is a comfort level for the pilots flying um but also it's an older plane which means that maintenance becomes a completely different thing uh what i know it's not necessarily on the creativity side of a conversation but as far as maintenance on your planes goes um is is that one of the the strictest things possible like you guys are on top of your own plane and you have have your own mechanics is is that like the same crew because i know your team itself rotates quite often right is it every year you have a new crew uh we
2: usually get new pilots um that will join the team uh every year that will be dependent on how many people are are scheduled to leave uh so that's the pilot in but um you know, yeah, we do our, I always like our, our technicians are, are pretty much the unsung heroes of allow us to do what we do. Um, they put in a lot of dedicated work, especially when we go on the road and, you know, we go on the road with, well, this year will be with 10 jets and a, and a semi truck carrying a bunch of parts. And maybe a couple of golf clubs, but don't tell anyone I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh, <yeah>.
0: I'll <laughs> edit that out. Don't like, Edit it out. it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh,
2: yeah, those the the whole the whole crew there. But you know, everyone always asks that about, you know, what about the age of the aircraft and does it give you any concern? And but, you know, just like a, just like a, a car, right? You've got a a car that's fifty years old, but it gets babied right it gets new oil it lives in the barn it you know gets new tires it gets washed it gets it so it's meticulously looked after so you know yes it's got some it's got some time on it however you know they're always taking it apart about every 250 hours so it's pretty much still flying like a brand new airplane most of the time anyway so
0: i mean um, this this hundred year old camera is still doing okay when it works right i mean it's taken care of and so a plane could be taken care of. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: But you know, like so, uh, when you talk about the creativity part of it, and I, I mean, maybe maybe a bit of a sidebar, I suppose. But you know, we when we had the Tutor Jet as part of our uh, pilot training program, um, we had I think about 100, and I think we had 180 tutors um, that were that were in service at one particular time, and of which you usually had anywhere from 100 to 120. Uh, stationed here in Moose Jaw, working the pilot training program, and then obviously as the pilot training program uh, uh, moved forward into the what they you know the NATO flight training program, and they basically replaced the tutor with the uh, the Harvard Two and the Hawk. A lot of the jets just got sent um, to um, Mountain View and um, near Trenton, and basically got mothballed. They just kind of were sit out in the sidelines, right? Just kind of wrap them up, cover the canopies, and just look after them, and they effectively became our parts. Um, like our, our, parts place, uh, we go there and pick things and grab things off and, you know, just start robbing things. Uh, you know, it could be something as subtle as, a, as a, as a airspeed indicator or an altimeter or even a screw or something like that, that was, you know, maybe put in there when Canada Air built the airplanes back in the 1960s. And then trying to find that particular screw now is a very challenging thing. So you end up, you know, using all these, uh, all these airplanes that are sitting there that aren't flying anymore um but obviously that's still a finite number of screws or whatever right there's only so many of them and you know the longer obviously we continue to use the jet um we still go through those things and so now we've gotten to the stage with was for some for some items where they had to actually you know c- from the creative part of it actually manufacture some of those pieces again um so now we have an acs shop which you know Basically goes and bends metal and does welding and all this kind of stuff and makes and fabricates pieces that are no longer on like old airplanes anymore. So we've had to, you know, again, rely on the, you know, the creativity part of it in order to be able to continue to be sustaining the jets that we need in order to do our job. It's very Canadian. (laughs) You know? there you go. <laughs> I love that.
0: I love everything from the fact that you do have control of creativity, that you do have say in the routines, that you have uh, your own people making your parts. Uh, again, something to be proud of, something yeah. to be really, really proud of. So that's great. Um, now, I also we- know, speaking of something to be proud of, your mission is pretty much to inspire people. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a platform for recruiting in some ways, too, isn't it? Absolutely. So, I mean, that's when when you have such a good example, it's definitely something that uh, how many people apply to be a snowbird? Like how, what's the draw for that?
2: Uh, I don't know what the exact numbers are. I mean, uh, I was I I aspire to want to be a snowbird since I was a kid. I was an air show, air show junkie, um, drag my parents to air shows all like I grew up in Edmonton. So. You know the red deer abbotsford any of those shows that were around back then i mean they they are kind of making a bit of abbotsford always been around but the kind of became an air, army base instead of an air force base so that kind of disappeared a little bit but they're trying to make it back but um you know i i'd always wanted to be uh, a member of the snowbirds and it's funny to say that like when i was you know <laughs> When I was spending, I don't know how many hours because I'm 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 here actually in Moose Jaw. Like my family actually lives in Cold Lake, so I'm I'm actually uh, on an imposed restriction here. I I I work here, but my primary residence is in Cold Lake. So I basically said anytime I obviously wasn't at home and not dedicating my you know my non-work time to to family because my family's not here. I I kind of geeked out and you know got got into the weeds on a few things, and so I'd watch all these old shows and. I actually put a, you know, a disc in there. And actually, I looked, I was watching this show that I was, I was actually at that show when I was 12 years old as a kid and here I am watching it again uh, on my TV and my, you know, my little full circle, TV, full circle. Exactly. Going man, I mean, I mean I'd blow my way if the camera just panned around and saw this kid's face in the crowd. <laughs> goes, oh my gosh, there I am. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you were there. So that, that
0: <laughs> moment is real. That's awesome. And that That's moment so cool. is
2: real. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, we, we obviously go out, I mean, I go out the door with the, yes, we are a very high profile recruiting, um, body for the, uh, for the Canadian armed forces, but, um, I've gotten, have had the fortunate pleasure of doing a a whole bunch of school visits, um, which is always great. And to say that I'm just only recruiting for the military, I think is, is not, is not accurate at all. If anything, I'm, I'm more along the lines of, Inspiring people to want to do something with their lives—if that involves the military and the Canadian Armed Forces, fantastic. But you know, if it doesn't, you know, try and find that, you know, try and find that motivator, find that light that you know makes you want to work hard, you know, study hard, and uh, work towards your, you know, your dream. And sometimes you just need someone to to be able to provide that that message. And you know, when I, when I talk about my story, my story is pretty much all about perseverance. Um, I was originally told. I wasn't gonna be a pilot in the military when I first applied to um, to the military after high school. I still went to Royal Military College on a, you know, when you go to military college of the, the enrollment piece, it was almost, you know, kind of feel like you're on a scholarship because you are being paid to go there. You know, your tuition is paid for and whatnot. And then in return, obviously you provide service. But I didn't pass for pilot, I passed for navigator. I didn't pass their, you know, their pilot selection aptitude tests in Borden, or uh, sorry, in Toronto. Um, but, you know, I found myself that I didn't have like the light at the end of the tunnel that motivation to want to continue with my studies there. And so I elected to leave the military. Um, I went back home, went and went to the University of Alberta, got my Bachelor of Science degree. And it was completely by chance that I was you know, waiting for my dad outside his work. And I popped into the recruiting office and I, I spoke to the commanding officer there. That was um, and I asked him, like, hey, what are the chances of being able to be retested for pilot? And he gave me some, you know, some, a course of action. And he said, if you do these things, I'll send you back, which was, you know, a private pilot's license, finished my university degree. And so pretty much I did all that, went back and he said, here you go, I did my part, Send me back. And then I guess you'd say it's been, I've been fortunate to be able to do it ever since. So when awesome. I go into kids, you know, I, I get, you know, I was told and you know, I don't want to necessarily date myself, but I was told in 1992 that I wasn't, didn't have the aptitude to be a pilot, but yet, by 2007, I graduated from fighter pilot, uh, you know, 410 from the fighter pilot training course to become a fighter pilot. So you kind of say clearly just because you got told no doesn't necessarily it's a never. Um, that's a great message. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. that's something people need to hear for sure. Sorry. Yeah. Did you guys want to?
3: Yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is a little bit about your journey, like, um uh, starting off, but I guess you kind of answered that a little bit there. Um, and no, I that's okay. Like, I, I think sorry? it's so, uh, <laughs> sorry. Honestly, I think it's so great that um, that you kept with it, right? Like you know, you took a break, you stepped back, and then you're like, no, I've I've got to try this add it again, and um, you're here now. You're major, um, and you know on the snowbirds. So I think that's an incredibly inspiring story, whether you apply it to what it is you do, um, you know, uh, as a pilot, um, but, um, or a boss of pilots, um, but, uh, or you apply it to any other creative field or uh, even career. Um, So I think that's incredibly inspiring and uh, uh, many people can uh, can learn a lot uh, from your story.
0: If you keep doing what you love to do,
3: yeah, I, I would love, <laughs> I would love to hear some some stories of maybe your favorite, uh, uh, most memorable memories, uh, flying or uh, you know, a show that was a favorite of yours.
2: Uh, are you talking about flying what, with everything that I've flown, or just with the snores?
3: Um, I'm in general. In general, okay. I'd love to hear some. Well, for
2: sure. I've honestly, I've been very fortunate to pretty much for most of my career, always land in a cockpit of something or somewhere. Um, I, I'm actually on my sixth tour of flying in a row, uh, which is not characteristic within the military. I usually end up going to do some kind of uh, staff work. Um, it's a balance, right? Balancing out between... Uh, the skill part of being a pilot but then there's also the leadership aspect of being a you know obviously as a major as a senior officer and I I have subordinates and need to obviously look after them as well so it's not only about uh, strapping an airplane on and flying every day there's more development than that Um, but I have been fortunate I I, you know I started off as an instructor pilot which I, uh, I absolutely love I love having that opportunity when you talk about know, inspiring people and working hard for them. And, you know, I would say that probably was one of the more most rewarding opportunities uh, for me is to, you know, again, take a, someone who just wants to be a pilot in the military and, you know, we have standards and you have to do tests and you got stress and you got all that kind of stuff and you work with these, all these individuals to see them through, you know, and then at the end of the, at the end of their uh, course, they get their wings and their families there and you just see the the joy and appreciation, but you also, you know, kind of also take in the fact that they they worked hard and, and stayed motivated, and I found that very very rewarding. Um, yeah. And then from instructing, I, I went, I did go to the F eighteen from there, uh, and the F eighteen. I mean, it's a it's a it's a fun machine. Um, it's a complex machine. It's it's a busy it's it's a busy environment. I know, uh, you know, Top Gun two, Maverick, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, there's a bit of glamorization in, in there to a degree, but it's a it's a busy job like there's a lot of system you know the the airplay itself is very easy to fly it's you know you're not really a say a fighter pilot yeah okay you you take off and land and whatnot but you're more of a you know like a systems operator uh versus necessarily just uh pulling going around and pulling g and then going to the bar and having shirtless volleyball games Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, walking aviators we like, yeah, all right. No, just kidding. Um, the, uh, the job though, we, had, we had a chance to do a bunch of, uh, of um, you know, op-related um, taskings. And uh, one of my last taskings was supporting the, uh, you know, the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. Um, so we were actively involved with that. Um, you know, obviously working behind the scenes, more of like a security posture and stuff like that, but you still felt like you were part of, you know, Canada was hosting the Olympics and, you know, Vancouver and all that kind of stuff. So so that was fun as well. Um, and then uh, then I came here and the Snowbirds, I mean, the Snowbirds is a very unique opportunity. Uh, it's, uh, well, I've come back here, tw- I guess, three times, I suppose, um, in order to fill a, a fill a job here. Um, as part of my, you know, motivation has been from going back to my childhood, as I've already discussed, but, you know, is there a particular show, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a particular show every show has its has its its treats you know um you can go to the big the big shows down in the states to you know we're going to go to huntington beach for example this year which is pretty much los angeles and notwithstanding the oil slick that happened last year um, they usually have about five million people come and watch that show on the beach you know it's a two and a half mile long, long kind of beach uh area and, you know they usually have about five million people five million people come oh. and watch that show it's a pretty special place, don't get me wrong. So, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but to be honest, some of the places that I, I always loved is, you know, we come back to the Tutor and what the Tutor has allowed us to do. And because of the smallness of, of the jet, um, you know, the performance of it, it's always allowed us to, to be able to connect with the smaller communities, um, just because of the size of the jet. We don't need like a crazy long runway to take off or land um and so the ability to go into some of these smaller communities i mean you go to i don't know so many i've been to so many places where the entire town just puts on a show to host you and hmm. you know as far as i'm concerned i could be billeted in someone's house and you know they wash or dry it's like going home like everywhere you go it's like going home to treat you like your family and it's absolutely because you've earned it. that's yeah. what it's big it's because
0: of the story. Well, I don't know
2: if I've earned it. I'm, I say I've, I've worked hard to be here, but I'm obviously hugely uh, appreciative of, of the reception everywhere we go. And people are so ecstatic to see us. And, of course, you don't ever want to feel like we're taking it for granted ever, um, and that's that's part of the, you know, I guess the image that we project is being humble and, and you know, basically projecting that we're just average Joes that have gotten the uh, opportunity to do a, a pretty extraordinary job, to be honest. So. Um awesome. but yeah, like some of those, smaller, some of those, some of those smaller shows have been, you know, some of my favorite ones as well. So, um, oh there I am. Yeah, team number seven. I need <laughs> to ask you about this.
0: So we're talking about the, um, the small plane and the Tudor plane and what you could do with it. This is upside yeah. down. Like you're, you're going upside down here. Are you not? This isn't just a, yeah. Oh, okay. So where is your stomach at this point? Like, how do you handle <laughs> the physics and the feeling of, of like, I saw this photo on my big monitor here and it literally made me queasy. So how do you, how do you live this moment and not uh, um, puke? <laughs>
2: well, to be honest, I mean, I, I have, I have phone with lots of people that have, that have had some form of air sickness. I, I had a little bit of air sickness for the first few flights when I first started. Uh, flying as well. And it's actually a very natural phenomenon. I mean, um, as I tell, when I, when I first joined the team, I was a number five and the number five jet is usually at the back of the nine plane. So I usually took a lot of passengers with me, because at least you had an airport, a lot of airplanes in front of you to get the, you know, this snowboard experience. Um, mm-hmm. But just like everything else, it's something that you just get accustomed to. I mean, human beings are not creatures of the air, right? We, and so as we've put ourselves into the air, Um, A lot of times, you know, the air sickness is just a function of your body not really understanding like what you're doing to it and why why it feels weird, because it does it does feel weird. We're not we're not creatures there. And so, you know, you kind of go, why do people get sick? Well, usually, it's the brain that kind of says, you know what, this feels weird, it must be something that I ate. So they it empties the stomach and says, Okay, it must be something I ate. So let's get rid of everything that's in the stomach, which is weird, would cause people to be sick. But the irony is, as soon as they get sick, the very next thing is kind of like this euphoric, oh, you know what, I actually feel pretty good. I feel great again, this is awesome. They've been sick, but now they feel great again because now the, the, the brain is kind of realized, okay, clearly it wasn't, it wasn't something that you eat. So what else is it? And then, you know, the, and over the course of time, I'd say the average, on average, probably 90% of the people when you start doing the that type of flying that we are doing here, like, like high performance, higher G loading uh, will probably get you know kind of queasy for the first you know three or four trips and then the body just like acclimates just like anything else it, it gets used to it it gets accustomed to it and then you don't think about it and then it just becomes something um you know rote ro- learned almost you know your body's going, all right we're gonna go fly today and and then you're allowed to dedicate obviously more more of your uh thought process and your body strain whatever you got to do uh to other things on the in the in the mission so that's yeah. awesome. And that's why practice is so important.
5: Yeah.
2: Well, absolutely. Excellent. Practice for us is practice
5: makes perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So I, I've got a couple of questions for you. I just wanted to ask what we were talking earlier um, about how you were designing the shows uh, and the maneuvers that you do. Um, so the first question is Have you ever had a maneuver that as a team you all thought was just that was phenomenal? This is it's an excellent aerial display we're, we're going to do this and it's going to be spectacular and death defying. You put all the work into it. You, you sort of hash it up, you get up there and you fly it and, and obviously you're getting closer and closer as you go. And then somebody else on the team from the ground goes, you know what guys, that doesn't look like anything down here. Is, is that sort of thing happened to you guys?
2: Um, it does, to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't say it happens that frequently to be honest. Like <laughs> most of the time, uh, I would say the majority of the maneuvers, the less dynamic maneuvers, are probably like the biggest crowd favorites. (laughs) If you know, know, we have like a, we call the Battle of Britain where the airplanes just get into this, you know, nine plane trail thing. We just go around and around and around and just make smoke lines all over the place. There's pretty much zero discipline associated with it. There's no formation flying really, other than this the person. And it's just this I, kind of creepy, hairy, hairy thing that goes on, and most of the pilots go. Right oh, oh, I don't really like that, but then the crowd goes absolutely bananas, and I like, ah, I love it, I love it.
5: <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So, I, I I have a great picture of that one from the Canadian International Air Show, actually. Uh, and yeah. it's I think one of the jets is upside down, one, and they're all sort of going around one another. I should have shared it with Brian before the show, but uh, yeah, no, that one is pretty pretty spectacular. Um, the next uh, question I had was, we have. Um, um, we talked earlier about the service to the, to the, uh, tutors. Um, is there a a projected end of life for those, or are you guys just going to continue to make your own parts and keep them flying as, as long as possible? And if so, have they talked about a replacement for that, for that airframe? Uh,
2: so right now, I believe, the uh, date for the tutor has been, it's been, it originally was, was 2020. Obviously that's gone by. Okay. Uh, yep. It's been Thankfully. pushed to 2030, 2030. And you just have to realize like originally, I, I guess, part of the um, the usefulness of this, of the tutor, uh, at least up until 2000 was, you know, you had the team that, that pretty much showed up in 1971. So it had almost 30 years of as a squatter and going around and, and obviously, doing what we do, and uh, you can imagine the appeal when you could go out there and fly nine airplanes and then land, and then you you go and you know you do your your um, recruiting slash motivational speeches or whatever. But so when someone asks you like, what 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 can I expect to fly in the military? Like, what's the military going to get me to fly? And you kind of go that airplane, that airplane, just that those nine airplanes you just flew that we just you just saw you will fly that airplane. That's what the military is going to get you to, to get your, your, you know, your pilot wings on. And so that obviously had some pretty good appeal from a motivation point. you view like, this, this is where you're going to learn how to fly an airplane. Um, So, you know, part of that discussion has always been, well, do we want to try and get back to that? You know, being able to showcase, you know, that, well, the motivation part of getting to the military is you'll get your hands on this airplane. And so that's how it historically was, um, what that's gonna end up looking like, you know, past 2030 or whatever that end date is going to be. Uh, I I couldn't tell you what it's going to be. I know that's what it was up till this stage. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping, hopeful that, it, it, you know, it does get replaced, it gets replaced by something that can still provide, you know, a snowbird experience. Um, and I'm sure we'll be able to figure figure it out we'll go back to the drawing board use our creative mind and we'll give me an airplane and we'll figure out something to put together that hopefully will make canadians proud of what we do uh,
5: so perfect excellent and then um the last question i had in that run was the the sheet that you just held up for the low show and the high show um yeah. what what is the the ceiling and uh and what would dictate the, the conditions to to switch the shows and how easy it is for uh, you guys to to actually do that switch? Do you practice both shows coming up to it just in case the weather changes and you have to switch show?
2: Yeah, so we have, uh, so basically our, our high show, which is all the looping and rolling and stuff like that. going keep going the wrong way for the camera. My lefty righty is rolling <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It Monday. Um, so our high show is typically 4,500 feet. So from the ground, we need to 4,500 4, feet for weather. Uh, so if it's higher than that, um we can get in any of our loops and rolls and no problem uh if it's less than 4,500 feet then our low show our low show is is pretty much where it's a loop it turns into what we call a wrap so it's effectively a flat a flat loop okay um but if but more or less the uh, the ground tracks we call them the ground tracks are effectively the same it either goes in the vertical for a loop or it goes in the horizontal for a wrap and it's all dependent on the weather that pushes us up or down um we do have a flat show, and that has to be really crappy outside. Um basically we can fly a flat show to a thousand feet, but it's really just our nine, we'll only do our nine-plane stuff. There'll be no splits and whatnot, because typically if it's a thousand feet of uh, uh weather, there usually the visibility is kind of lower. So they do to split nine airplanes going all over the place and then trying to run a rejoin and whatnot can have its own potential for issues. So it's um and then we so yeah, so those are the two prime, the two main ones that we'll usually fly is the, the high show and the low show. Um, what one thing that I particularly did this year was I, I endeavored to. Um, so our our team is actually, from a statistics point of view, is is fairly a junior this year. Um, we we brought in four new uh, wingmen, um, and then also I was a new boss this year. So we had a new boss and and four new four new wingers. And um, that would be traditionally what you'd say is the the more complicated year from the traditional snowbird time. We used to do two years on the the squadron. You know, you'd show up your one year, you were the junior person and had to figure it out and basically water skiing behind the jet and trying to just stay ahead of things. And then the next year, you you were the senior person and you had to teach the next junior person that would be coming in behind. And it was only a two year gig. And so there's a fairly high rate of turnover for, for uh, at least the pilots going through the squadron. Uh, we realize it's not sustainable in order to you know continue to um, you know the the airplane is even though it's not it's not a complicated machine, but it can be a complicated machine to fly well. Even though it's got bells and cranks, it doesn't have any computers, it doesn't have anything like that in it. But to actually like fly it well, it can she can be a little bit finicky at times. Um, so obviously, experience is, is does have its merits. So we've increased the uh, the time on squadron for um, uh, people that come here, like especially the pilots, instead of doing two years, they're now doing anywhere from four to five years uh, on squadron, maybe on the team for three, maybe four seasons, and then maybe rotate into our standard cell, just so we can retain some of that experience um, to a degree so that we can continue to do our job until obviously we get further down the line and then see what, what ultimately is going to be um, uh, replacing um, our, our, our jets. So when I designed the high and the low show, um, a part of the, also the, 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 sequences that I put in there are also based on some things in the show are a lot easier to train to than others. So that battle of Britain that you have a great picture of that takes all about, I don't know, however long it takes the pilots to stay clear in an nine plane. Um, it's pretty much trained to, so it's a very easy sequence to train to. So that's the leg back cross that picture. Um, oh, okay. that too is where that's also a very easy sequence to train to, but that is arguably probably one of the biggest crowd favorite things that we do, the five plane, lag back cross. So like that- so leg I always back cheer
4: cross, when I see that. that Good right? yeah, that, that I always cheer when I see it, yeah. Oh yeah,
2: no <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that sequence is very easy to train to, like Bob is easy to train to. Um, but we have other other items that aren't as easy to train to, um, for example, like inverted. Inverted flying takes a lot of practice because it, it basically, you have to revert your brain to what you need to do with the controls and everything's reversed. So you imagine you just spend 2,000 hours flying an airplane one way and then you roll upside down and you only can do that for 20 second stints because of the oil and the fuel um, that gets fed to the engine. You only got 20 second stints to try and tell your brain that you got to do everything in reverse in order to fly inverted formation. Um, so that is a very technical one and does require an extensive amount of training. And so you get into that balance of, you know, when it comes to show design, um, what's my experience level? Uh, how much time am I going to have in order to build up to some of these sequences? Cause some of them, the crowd, um, you'll see the, you would see, say the we call it the double take go by, right. And, you know, you, know, you have, One airplane is upright and then there'll be two airplanes on the wing that are inverted. And then another guy at the back end is upright. So you have like a top and a bottom shot as the the jets go by. Yeah, there you go. Um, So, you know, you see that and and it flies through in about, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds for the show. The amount of work that goes into getting to that stage is significant and people don't really appreciate it. And this is one of those maneuvers that I would say is a, a very pilot centric maneuver. So you have to gauge, you know, this is part of, you know, my job in the off season is to gauge, like, do we, have, I have it on the card, we have that sequence in our show, but we also have to be realistic with it as well and kind of say, well, do I have the time, the resources, uh, the experience to be able to, to train to that maneuver? Or knowing that people love Battle of Britain, I could literally go by in a four plane with something significantly less dynamic a looping a rolling whatever that the guys could probably pick up in the span of a trip and now that goes into the show instead of that maneuver and so that was also part of you know the creativity part when I designed it was also balancing out how much time do I have the experience level and whether you know some of these goals on here would be achievable in order to make you know good on on a start date for when we need to go out on the road does that make sense 100%.
4: 100%. And I think yeah, to your absolutely. point as well, like when you're talking about how people don't understand just how insane what you guys are actually doing is, I look at everything you guys do is essentially death defying. It's death defying stunts that you guys are doing for the most part when you look at something like that, because it is obviously when you're a professional, when you train and put in the work that you guys have, it's almost second nature to be able to do it. But the reality is what you guys are doing is absolutely insane. And I say that respectfully. It is absolutely insane some of the stunts you guys are able to do up there because, again, you guys are putting your lives on the line each time you get in that, that aircraft. So,
2: no, you go right ahead. Go right ahead. No, Brian, I was just going to say uh, we, we just try not to use the word death a lot because you know that could gotcha. in a bit of uh, Death defying. Oh my gosh, escaping death. Um, <laughs> we have a oh understandable
4: experience. understandable yeah let's We're
2: avoid the d-word fine great but just like that lag back cross everybody thinks we almost hit each other but it's all david copperfield right a little bit of smoke and mirrors every time we do things so it looks like yeah. everyone just about hit each other but if you could turn it 90 degrees and show the hide uh or the non-hide uh you would see like
5: oh those
2: cheating never mind
5: <laughs> yeah but even, oh, even when you're
4: secrets guys he's giving us all the secrets
5: <laughs> he is but when you're traveling that speed and you're crossing each other's paths even like when you're that close from an aeronautical perspective it's very close no matter how you slice it though right
2: oh yeah absolutely it, it's yeah. close but we yeah. again we don't we don't start at we don't we don't start at our at our show spacing right we will start further back just run the mechanics and then obviously over the course of time and experience and exposure it'll get a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter i mean the closer you are to the airplane in front of you the easier it is to make that step we call it the step you know so that looks like everyone flies through each other um the closer you are the easier it is to make that step so you have to obviously balance out well bar none you can't hit the guy or gal in front of you period stop that's you know the guy in the front, next person needs to miss him. And then it goes back from there, right? So the responsibility always goes to the furthest person. So whatever you gotta do, you have to miss the, you know, the guy at the back who's doing the woofers at the back, he has to miss all four airplanes in the front, period, stop. That's his job. He makes funny little woofers at the back, but then when the split comes, his job is to miss all four of those people in the front. That's his job. He has to, um, whatever he needs to do in order to do that is what he will do. That's, that is his, that's his job. Like, um, and he kind of say, well, what if he doesn't do his job? That's not allowed. He can't, he has to do it. So, yeah. um, that's, that's just part of the contract. You know, that's the contract. And I have my contracts as the boss, I can kind of as, as the boss, I mean, my call sign is Oreo, like it labeled the boss. Cause I'm the team lead. That's just been a, a historical thing. that's always been, you know, uh, brought to whoever's been leading the team, they get labeled the boss. Um. But uh, my job is to obviously lead the team around, but ultimately, like during all of our looping and rolling, my job is to not hit the ground. That is my pact. That's my role. That's my job. Um, and the guys trust me to do that. Um, so you kind of say, well, what if you don't hit? The, what if you hit the ground? That, well, that's that's something that I can't allow to happen. Like that's part of that's my biggest responsibility. Is people trust me in order to not hit the ground? and That allows them to focus on what their job is, which of course is to. For me off of me and then obviously depending on where they are in the formation they also may be responsible to miss guys that are even closer to them the guys that are in the periphery like our outer pilots or solo pilots like they still have to miss guys on the inside right so it's not just everyone has a role and a responsibility to do in order to make you know the formation uh work within the scope of of the show ultimately so that we're safe um and that's always that's always bar none but as we go out the door, like our, our first priority is spectators, safety of the people on the ground. Um, every, every show has a, a primary, we call it the primary spectator area, like that grouping where everyone's gonna be. Um, so we miss that at all costs. Then the next is the safety of the crew that are in the airplane. So I'll miss the, you know, something if something dire happens. I won't obviously have my jet point towards any spectators, then the next will be myself. Uh, I'll look after myself. And then the last will be the airplane. We, we'll, The airplane is going to crash Then, But and when I say like the spectators also mean ultimately as well as people on the ground. Uh, hopefully a lot of the shows, usually a show has got to have an aerobatic box and that in that in that box is sterilized. There's no one in that box except for the jets. So if the jet does go into somewhere in that box, um, there shouldn't be anybody on the ground Uh, that would be adversely affected by it if that did happen Um, and those are the priorities so it's always like people on the ground period stop that will always be our miss first and foremost then we'll look after ourselves and the last thing we care about will be the airplane if I can obviously do all three and do you know obviously miss people on the ground not have to eject and also save the airplane great but that necessarily won't always be the case
4: The mental toughness that you must have is absolutely incredible. Like it's just hearing you describe that to me, it's mind boggling to think that uh, you're able to to process all that, be aware of it and be confident enough as well in your abilities to say, I don't even really think about it to that degree, right? It's one of those you have to be aware of it, but the mental toughness that you have is absolutely admirable.
0: I'm going to relate that to in photography. They always say your first 10,000 photos is when you're just learning and all this and that. And photographers go through this training process and, you know, I feel like I've been doing it long enough now that I have confidence and I can do things and I can think of it and do it and whatever, but I don't have people's lives at risk when I'm doing it. Like, I don't have that added stressor of it. So to, to Ryan's point, it's kind of going where I was going to say before is the mental health side of what you do. Um, is there all kinds of mental health training for you as well? Or is it all just, um, I shouldn't say it is at all. I mean, there's so many different training. I'm sure you go through, but do they focus
2: on mental health for you as as well? Uh, obviously we. I I think even just from a society point of view, right? We've we've progressed a long way with with mental health. Uh, just in general, right? There's a lot of um under a lot more understanding on, you know, how how people operate and and whatnot. And I wouldn't say we we don't necessarily dwell on that kind of stuff and and you know prepare ourselves for that because ultimately that's a really 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 bad day um if we do have to get to that stage but obviously uh the military does have um that support staff available to assist with that and you know we, we have had our had our our accidents in the past and and we've had this you know the support network in order to to help people through uh that do we do we pre-arm them with that no i i would say it's more along the lines of we focus more on the training part of it, uh, the training, so to make good decisions, and sometimes they may have to be split, split-second decisions. Uh, but ultimately, um, being able to, most of the time during shows, anyways, um, you're usually at a speed uh, that'll afford you the ability to gain some altitude, slow things down, you know, mentally process what's happening. Um, that's part of the, you know, even just the military training. We have checklists. We have procedures. We have obviously we you know we have nine airplanes. So if one person's having a problem, there's eight other people that are hopefully around that can assist um, as required. Um, and so we we focus more on that, being proactive with that, um, than necessarily going well. Let's go with worst case scenario that something does happen. Now we will we will talk about it. We'll do briefings and stuff like that. Um, obviously most of the most of the crews have. Spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever that is, that need to understand that that yes, we do have a, a more risky job uh, that does have its um, potentials, and you know if it does happen, then these are the support networks that are available, and this is how we would deal with it um, moving forward. I don't know if that kind of answers you, but questions.
4: yeah, necessarily though, your focus isn't on that. Your focus is more on your training, doing what it is you guys do, and that's just something you're more aware of than anything else
2: yeah I, I you know if I go with like a show, most of our shows are usually over an airport or at an airport. Okay. Um, so I've probably just taken off from a runway and as long as I've got you know some kind of speed that affords me to get a little bit of altitude, I'll likely be able to get the airplane back to that runway um throughout any of this any of the segments of our show like we're not that's the nice another nice thing about being able to stay closer you know, to the crowd, is that we always stay within a gliding distance to be able to put the airplane uh, somewhere mm-hmm. should something die or happen. Um, so yeah, it's not going through my mind per se. Um, where I think it kind of more comes up is when we're doing, well, say transits, for example, you know, we'll be going through uh, Thunder Bay and uh, in all likelihood in a, in a few days and Thunder Bay is an airport that we don't operate very often and we, we're not doing a show there. We're, we're lighting there, we're getting some gas, saying hi to some people and then we're carrying on. But, you know, every airplane, there's a, there's a takeoff and a landing and there's always the potential of something happening right at any given time. And so we will spend, you know, that's part of our training as well. When we're briefing, you know, say the departure out of Thunder Bay, right. Which way are we going? What, what are the, uh, you know, the potentials if something happens here? Is there a, a a crossing runway that we could put the jet towards if something happens here? Right. And always, always, you know, trying to be ready for that. If, if it does happen, but, it's more on a brief. We don't necessarily practice it to an extent. We do some training here, but like as part of our annual qualification stuff, but um, that's more of a briefing uh, more than anything. And just guys, uh, all the crews just need to be prepared. If that does happen, that they execute their brief and they follow their procedures and go with it from there
5: so that actually brings up a great question because uh anybody that's um i'm uh, being the fanboy often i'll be at the airport i'll when you guys are coming in um for the baseboard and show i've been at the airport that you operate out of there uh up in oro and and people hang around the end of the runway and sort of watch you come in um obviously with most aircraft there's one aircraft in that airspace and one on the runway at a time and you guys often land in groups of i think threes fours or fives is that is that, how do you, how do you manage that? Like, is that just a special? I
2: really yeah, no, will probably be landing just in what we call streams. so just be one after another. And then we, yeah. we pretty much just are responsible for the separation between each aircraft, but you know, we'll, okay. we'll kick the door in there. And with the nine plane, like we'll, we'll fly our show and board and then flow back to Aurelia. And then we'll show up into an uncontrolled airport as a nine plane and split up into stream landings. And, yeah. Um, right. it's, relatively straightforward as long as it's VFR right um, that's always the cat that's always the kicker when it's VFR IFR but we're not we are a VFR formation team we can't do an air show unless it's at least some form of VFR somewhere so okay. uh, generally speaking that's not rarely does that happen but it's possible I suppose but
4: um, well for a simple mind such as myself what is VFR
2: oh visual flight rules sorry okay um, so the ability to take off from an airport and then stay out of clouds.
4: Um, uh, okay. gotcha.
2: So visual flight rules usually within the standard is, is 1500 feet and three miles of visibility. So like our low show is 1500 feet, but we need five miles of visibility in order to do our low show. So because we have splits in our low show. Um, So in order to do splits and you have nine airplanes potentially going every which way, you can get separated fairly quickly. So we have a little bit higher visibility requirements than what our typical VFR is. Um, And then IFR is instrument flying rules. Sorry, I should have been more specific on the acronyms.
4: (laughs) That's okay. Uh, I do have one final question for you as well. I know we're kind of getting short on time here, but something to to add on to Aurora's question from earlier. What was the experience like for you the very first time, once your training was done, the first time you got into a plane with the snowbirds? Do you remember kind of what went through your mind as you were taking off, being in the air? Did you have any sort of uh, just, I wouldn't say epiphany, but how, how was that feeling for you the very first time that you were fully certified and living your dream?
2: Are you talking about the first time I flew with the team like myself or because I actually flew with the team as like a passenger before getting on the team?
4: I would say when you when you actually flew yourself, like with the team, not as a passenger.
2: Yeah, it was a very special moment. Actually, I I would say probably the biggest thing that or the most, you know, momentous occasion that I remember was the first time we we went out with them with the nine planes and everybody was solo for the first time. And we actually, we didn't do too much out in the area, but we ended up going over to Regina and went to go say hi to the city of Regina and the airport and whatnot, and everybody's solo. And we were just on our way there. And then the training officer and the boss at the time, they just started talking on the radio going, you know, like this is the first step of, you know, becoming that snowbird, you know, you're, you're, in, you're part of the nine ball and, you know, it's just gonna get, you know, use the term bigger and better from here, right? And the responsibility and, what you're expected to do is just going to get more and more onus from here. And yeah, I I remember that day, like, you know, just like it was yesterday. And I even used that moment as part of, you know, for the, you know, the current guys that are flying behind me. And we did a very similar um, flight uh, just before Christmas time. And basically it iterated the same thing that I was iterated 11 years ago, right? Take it all in and, you know, be proud of where you are, but, you know, the, the learning hasn't stopped. If anything, this we've just barely scratched the surface of where we're gonna go with this. But you know, that kind of congratulations, enjoy this. This is part of all of what you're gonna be doing for the next, at least two years, hopefully more. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that. And, and then my first my first venue trip as a snowbird was the Grey Cup in Edmonton. I saw over my my home city and I'm doing a fly pass over Edmonton, which was pretty special and um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of those things I'll, I'll remember. And to be honest, probably one of the biggest times I, I, I was just just past this past Thursday was actually landing from uh, from the acceptance show. You know, I've mm-hmm. wanted to be I've wanted to be the boss, uh, be the team lead uh, for so long um, as part of my career ambitions, and um, to be able to take a script that I put all that time and effort into during the off season. Piece it together. Take all the challenges that we've had over this over the winter time and into the spring, and then see it all come together and basically fly the. was it Almost our one of our very first times flying through the entire show uh, for the a general who was clapping and appreciative and just you know he had a big smile on his face and to climb out of the jet and my family was there, and you know you could tell that you know my wife could tell she's just you did it you know you you did it you you actually. You did everything that you wanted to do, and that I, I will remember that day for sure. That's awesome. uh, even though it was only four days ago, that that still is uh, a very huge, huge, you know, tick in, in my career, but also from my, my life, from what I've been trying to do with myself over the last—I won't say how many years, because I'll just date myself.
4: But <laughs> still, well, very inspirational. Very inspirational. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um,
3: All right, I have two questions, real quick. I'm okay. Sorry. Um. Okay. Really quick. Uh, you mentioned your call time. sign earlier. It
2: doesn't have to be whatever time you guys want. Sorry, I <laughs> didn't Oh, okay. Thank okay. you. Um. So, uh, I,
3: you mentioned your call sign earlier. Um. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh. So, how did you come up with your call sign? Um. Is there kind of like a? We have, have
2: to go to a bar, and they can't just- <laughs> um, <laughs> Play volleyball with <laughs> that sure on. <laughs> yeah or something right most most call signs come up from you know either someone does something silly or it's a, a play on their name I well just you, you have to have we have to have a drink no i just kidding <laughs>
5: <laughs> deal I, yeah <laughs> I guess yeah, i no,
2: kidding. Um, yeah call signs are just they're I guess you'd call it Great sort base. of the a bit of the old old school sort of fighter pilot way, where people just get call signs, and it's funny most people just call you by your call sign and won't even know your first name, and just show up to squadron and they'll just call you by your call sign and they won't even know what your name is. And then one day it'll be like a commanding officer like, "Has anybody seen Daryl? Uh, who's Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> Jason? Like, Jason? Who's Jason? I don't know. You know, ping pong and bling or whatever." I'm like, "Oh." Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I do like Oreo cookies. Um, Yeah, but uh, yeah, a lot of times call signs just come from, uh, from, you know, doing silly things or, you know, you know, play on their name or whatever. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to keep a little bit of a little bit of suspense on that. (laughs) That's
3: that's perfectly fine. That's
2: perfectly fine.
5: I just have this thought in my head of how many oreo cookies did you have to eat to get that call song?
2: well needless to say a lot of places when i go where i go the there will be like uh, you know the organizer will have like a, a little stash of oreo cookies like, oh, just when i need more oreo cookies and having enough time trying to fill in the red flight suit let alone, let alone having like cookies <laughs> <laughs> for, for a late night snack after a social but, um That's awesome. is your second question
3: uh, my second question is kind of like a two-part question. So what is your favorite Oh, maneuver... that two questions.
2: That's I was going to say, now you're
1: just
4: adding on here. Shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, <laughs> uh, what is your favorite maneuver as a pilot and as a spectator?
2: Uh, as a spectator, probably the lag back cross, as I alluded to. That's probably, even for me, I think it's kind of a fun one to watch. Uh, as a pilot... Uh, well, I've had the fortunate pleasure of um I've flown when I I've been in, I've been snowboarded one, I've been snowboard two, I've been snowboard three, I've been snowboard five and I've been snowboard seven. So I've had the fortunate pleasure of being a part of a lot of different sequences um, as a pilot, I probably would say, probably something like a pilot centric maneuver, like the double take. So doing inverted formation and learning that I, I did that back in 2013 and 14 as number two and three. Um That was pretty cool to be able to learn how to do that and do it with confidence with another airplane that's right there. And you're going to roll right up, you know, ro- roll upside down right beside this, this other airplane and then follow them through. And um, I'd say that from a, from a flying perspective would be probably the one that, I um, I take the most. I I use the term pride, but um, just I figured it out. I was able to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
3: great, awesome! Thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm just looking at all my photos from the air air show, and I'm just trying to think: was
2: he this one? Was he this five? Was he... <laughs> 2016. Were well, you? Uh, uh 16. Flying? I was gone, so I was number five. Uh, 2011 and 2012. That's number five. Uh, 20, uh, 2013, I was number three, uh, 2014, I was number two and then 2021, I was number seven. Well, that, that jet you showed before that was me. So awesome.
0: Yeah. That was the photo supplied by you guys. So uh, some of these were my own and some of them were, were supplied by Gabe there. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for spending the time. We have a couple more questions for you before we let you go for the day. Um, But before we do that, Mark, Ryan, Aurora, any last questions you'd like to?
5: No, I'm I'm still trying to take it all in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I just, I just wanted to mention. um, I think it was last year in 2020 that um, you guys did the. uh, You went across Canada and you did sort of uh, flyovers of all the cities. Uh, Mm -hmm. Was that last year that you did that in the summer? Uh, 2020. Up inspiration. 2020. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, I had just moved to Thunder Bay. My wife and I moved there, and then the pandemic hit. Um, so it was for, for us, when we heard you were coming to town, um, we went and found a, a nice flat parking lot close to the airport, and we, we parked ourselves there and waited. And the number of people that were, were hanging out, waiting for you, and then the numbers that just got exponential when they said, why are you guys hanging out? Oh, the snowbirds are supposed to be flying over. And then they just, no matter what they were doing, they stopped and stayed. And to to watch you come over, and of course, I, I had a camera and, and uh, got a bunch of shots of you doing the fly over the city as well. But uh, for some something like that, how did you um, who, how did you come up with that, and um, how did it make you feel as a as a team uh, to do that for Canada?
2: Uh, well, actually, that the the initiative for that um, actually came from 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 Jen Casey, uh, Captain Jen Casey. So she tragically lost her life there in Kamloops. But a lot of that initiative started with her. Um, there was some move down in the states uh, with the other teams to just you know people are, are are doing the you know they're isolating, staying home, not going to work, and everyone's kind of feeling like they're you know um, basically locked in, right? Um, and just trying to trying to get through the pandemic as best we can. And 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 she was the one who came up with with the the initiative to uh, the name. So operation inspiration, which is which we've retained uh, even now, even though we we obviously we're going to do uh, air shows. But you know, as, if we have these targets of opportunity over communities, we'll obviously say hello with the nine plane on routes and stuff. Um, but she was the um, yeah she was the starter of all of that, and it, it caught a lot of um, a lot of traction and became you know a very. Uh, an amazing actual you know the, the the amount of people that um came out and took it in and they just the reception and the feedback that we got from that uh initiative was phenomenal it's ironic actually down in the states it didn't it didn't fly down there very well at all most people could care less they're they're like i want to go back to my air shows and but up in canada you know Again, it's, it's so difficult because our, our country is so big and we're always so limited, both, both with, with gas and, and time and everything to be able to get across our entire wonderful country and say hi to all the people that would love, that we'd love to go say hi to. It's just, it's just very difficult for us to be able to do that. Um, it gave people, obviously, a lot of pride, uh, both obviously within the squadron. I mean, like you said, you go to any one of those airports and it's just flanked by thousands of people that just want to come out and see the team and and uh, yeah, it just, you know, I wasn't on the team in 2020 um, for that, but I know uh, obviously leading up to Kamloops, uh, I know that the, um, the guy, the, the people that were on the team were feeling, you know, an incredible amount of pride just by virtue of the reception that all the Canadians to, that were showing for this this initiative. so yeah it was um it was a pretty amazing experience for sure and it's also quite a legacy
0: for for her as well to have come up with the idea and um you know the situation that happened is unfortunate so I think this is a great legacy for her as
2: well absolutely absolutely um that was that was her and that, that was also part of that you know why we we kept the name as well right to uh to show that the legacy of what was you know the even just what was intended to do, Um, even though like we necessarily going around to all of the communities and just not doing air shows because air shows weren't going on in in 2020. Right. They just, there was no, you weren't allowed to congregate and run an air show, but there's there's none of that going on at all. So you're kind of like, well, what can we do to just make people or at least show to people that, Hey, we're all in this together. Um right, to show that a little bit and the amount of people just like, you know what, just hearing the jets overhead, just gave me a you know, the spider sense on the back and put the hairs up and just kind of, you know, made them made them feel good about something when all you hear is just nothing but bad info. Like it's just yeah. nothing but bad news everywhere, bad, 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 bad. And but you know what, the team is gonna come say hello and give people something to look forward to. And I I, I think that was was huge. Um, and I'm obviously so, so happy that it was such, it was so uh, highly regarded and, and, you know, we're going to continue to keep that going, like both with, in its name and obviously what we endeavor to do on a day-to-day basis.
5: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks very much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So this leads us to our final questions. Now, uh, before we went live, I asked if you had a challenge for our listeners. Um, have you thought of something you'd like to offer up as a no. challenge?
2: Oh, oh boy. Mm-hmm.
4: Not to put you on the spot or anything, no. I we, I
2: can, we can come back to it or pass I by. I did find that difficult, a difficult question because it's it's a little bit open-ended as far as we say, like, a challenge, you know, uh, other than I could say that the challenge, I challenge you to, you know, to, you know, keep your eye on the prize and and do what I did, right? Challenge yourself to, you know, even in the face of of uh, being told no, like, find a way to make a yes. There's always a way to make it a yes. So I challenge you to make your dream a yes. You know something like that.
3: That's vote. That's
2: perfect.
4: That's yeah. exactly. I think with a lot of our guests too, that's what the challenges end up being. It's they're challenging our guests to do exactly what they challenge themselves to do each and every day. So that's a perfect answer.
0: Okay. Then yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right, and then the last two questions, uh one of them is tool of the trade. So <clears throat> as photographers, you know, we get asked what's in our camera bag and gear and this and that. That's not necessarily what tool of the trade is. Tool of the trade would be something that you rely on, whether it's an ideal, a concept, um, a practice, or a tool um, daily that really is the most important thing that you fall back
2: on uh, from day to day. Um, I would say actually for me, uh, especially when especially when things get busy, um, a tool of to the trade for me that allows me to even function most of the time for me is... Physical fitness, to be honest, um, I I usually find that I think better. Um, I'm more awake, I'm more aware, I'm more on top of things. Um, and I found that, like even when we go on the road, and uh, I'll go, you know, obviously we stay in lots of hotels and, and stuff like that. I will endeavor to do uh, a workout in the morning. Obviously, it wouldn't be something that's going to completely tire me out, but it gets the blood flowing, gets the heart rate going, gets the brain thinking. Um, and so I find like that is probably one of the biggest tools to trade at least for me that allows me to operate, um, as efficiently and as effectively as I can. I can usually tell, like if I've had a, a poor, you know, a poor sleep and I didn't exercise and whatnot, and then I'll go out there and I feel like I'm just fighting against the jet. And, um, I, you know, obviously as a wingman, I'd have, those are usually the days when I had my poorest flights and I'd be watching the video debrief. And even though like on the ground, it probably was. Uh, probably fine and most people wouldn't have seen it i'm in the you know in the debrief just beating the crap out of myself and debriefing myself um for all the uh the errors that i made and a lot of it come a lot of the times as you found it came down to my my psyche my psychological part and it usually starts for me with some kind of physical fitness awesome
0: and the last question and it's it's a fun one is oh, what's your yes. jam what what song just gets you excited? Like in Top Gun, it's all about the music, right? Highway to the danger zone, all that kind of do yeah. you ever I don't a side question. Do you ever listen to danger zone when
2: you're flying? But second question, <laughs> the real question is what's what's your jam? So we may, we may or may not, due to the age of the aircraft, um, have what we call an uh, an ADF on it. So it's an old uh basically an old directional beacon if you will that you used to use back in the days to find an airport or uh you know a place everything's all gps now um but we do have this we do have still an adf on board and the adf frequencies allow you to dial into a am am radio Um, so there are two am radio stations in in around moose jaw that you can pick up one is 750 and one is 800. one is like the oldies, and one is basically like classic rock um, so there have been times where I felt, uh, and you've seen Iron Eagle. anybody seen Iron yeah. Eagle? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Louis Jr.
0: Yeah. How about
2: that? Yeah, so you almost feel like you're Iron Eagle, and there. I'm not going to necessarily say that I have, but there may or may not have been the potential opportunity to dial in a radio station while you're <laughs> flying, and then there may or may not have been a Kenny Loggins. You know song
1: that was like, oh, awesome. not, gonna deny, not gonna confirm nor deny i think confirm or
0: deny that <laughs> so, yeah it's okay nobody uh, watches
2: this show so you don't have to worry about it yeah. so, uh, <laughs> uh, there's like music i mean i do i do love music um and i like all kinds of genres to be honest uh i would say i'm, I'm probably more of, like an 80s guy um that's kind of what I grew up with is kind of an 80s guy I, I pretty much run 80s music a lot of times so to say there's a specific song probably not but I guess that also puts danger zone in the wheelhouse since it came out in 86 but <laughs> technically uh, yeah not that done. I knew that like necessarily a song per se that puts me in my jam I just you know sometimes just good beat and obviously a lot of portions of our show uh is all about the music and um You know, and that was probably one of the biggest things when I was watching a lot of the old, old, old um, shows when I was, you know, building a lot of the sequences on here. I was listening to the music and, you know, going to, you know, some of the snowbird shows as a kid and you hear this snowbird music and, you know, some of them like the David Fosters and the Stephen Vitale music, like Flight of the Snowbirds and whatnot, that were like a staple for the shows. And yeah, I still you know, kind of. And when we walked out to the Jets again on Thursday um, to start our our march out for our show on Thursday, they were playing, you know, the David Foster Flight of the Snowbirds. And again, it just kind of, you nice. know, up. and so you're just kind of like, all right, we're, we're going to go do this. Let's do this. It's going to be good. That's
3: awesome.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was kind of fun. um no, not kind of fun. now but that was pretty cool. So I wouldn't say there's one particular song that necessarily gets it going for me. I just, something that's got a good beat and then obviously I got my good headspace if I've had my workout, it's all, go, and then it just, it becomes, let's go time, let's do this and off we <laughs> go from there. Yeah,
4: well, before, I, before, we, before we, we, we cook this turkey here, Brian, I do have one final question. Because of the, the oh, amount oh, of go. i gotta know, I gotta know, I gotta, <laughs> gotta know. Sweet.
1: Now, one do final you,
4: or do you, five not. Five, five, yeah, yeah. do you or do you not own a pair of aviators? Uh, uh,
2: Ray-Ban Air, Ray, like specifically Ray-Ban aviators,
4: uh, maybe not specifically Ray-Ban. Do you, do you have aviators that you're rocking and you're doing the whole uh Top Gun look or no? <laughs> uh,
2: not really. Like and I would say the like, the shape of those old school Ray-Ban ones that he would have worn in in Top Gun, but. I think the glasses that we have this year, uh, who makes them? Uh, I forget what they're, I forget the name of the company. Oh, but you guys actually have like
4: uniform glasses that you're supposed to wear then. You don't get to wear like your own personal. You
2: you can wear, it just, just, I use the term, it depends. If I'm in my my show suit and I'm out at the air show, uh, if I'm on duty, um, then yes, uniformity is all part of, the all part of the package if you will um so gotcha. that includes glasses right um sunglasses obviously the uniform the shirts the boots all that, that kind of stuff it's all the same so we do have a set of sunglasses uh, that we'll wear for that uh, if we go to autographs everyone needs to have the same sunglasses on again just to have the uniformity but outside of that like when you're not in when you're not you know even though you're technically on 24 7 if people know that you're a member of the snowbirds uh, which mm-hmm. can be a good or bad Depending on the type of person that you are, if you're more of an introvert, <laughs> it may not necessarily be the best when you feel like you constantly have to be on display. But um, outside of that, though, if you you're on your own time and you're wearing your own clothes and you know you're not you know kind of portraying the job, you can you know guys will usually have another set of glasses that they wear.
4: Right. No, I had and to yes, for, I do, for our, our two video. listeners. I had to make sure we got all the Top Gun questions out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aviators,
2: but they're not Ray Ban aviators. There.
4: <laughs> <laughs> there you
2: go. Again. So
0: Canadian, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't
2: I'm thank sorry, you. I'm sorry, right here. I'm sorry, you gotta apologize. I'm sorry, <laughs> apologize. sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I realize I'm sorry. I'm right. sorry, we, we
4: went, went over, over on time. time. Jeez, I'm so <laughs> sorry that I, I know I didn't have another question. I'm just I'm so sorry. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we are all right, very sorry. anyway, yep. we went, we went over on time. So, uh, the two listeners that call in to the secret number will get uh, a liter of maple syrup each.
1: So, <laughs> nice.
5: okay, what's your phone number again? 555. <laughs> <All> five, five.
0: <laughs> we will talk to you soon. Uh, thank you so much again, Major Brett Parker, for being with us today. Mark, Ryan, and Aurora, thank you as well for being here. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. It's been yeah. very informative and very inspirational, as yeah. the uh, snowbirds are. So, thank you so much again. Um, and for anybody who watches our show, if you enjoyed our episode today, don't forget, click like, subscribe to our channel, share this with some friends, and we hope you have a great day. We'll see you all next week. Take care.
2: Um, Brian, Ryan, Aurora, Mark, so great to meet you. And, uh, again, thanks for taking the time out to chat this morning slash afternoon. I guess it's afternoon. Yay, now it's afternoon. <laughs> now. And uh, maybe, Mark, we will see you around there in uh, Thunder Bay there on, Thunder, uh, on Thursday.
5: Yeah, you won't see me on Thursday. I'm, I'm in southern Ontario right now. But uh, I'll let my friends know that you're coming through and to watch for you.
0: Okay, Uh, sounds good. Missing out, Mark. (laughs) You're missing out.
5: I know. I'm missing everything. And even (laughs) I'm leaving the day day of the air show at Borden. I'm leaving Southern Ontario, heading back to Thunder Bay. So I'm going to miss that too. Uh, Oh, are you going by? uh,
2: We have a a midweek in North Bay.
5: Oh, do you? Interesting. (laughs) Coming together. It's coming together. (laughs) Coming together. There's a plan formulating.
2: Just saying. It is kind of on the way, right?
5: Sort of, yeah. It's just a s <laughs> I'm skipping a jump to North Bay from Thunder Bay. <laughs> Not bad.
0: Oh geez, what's that? Five hours? Four hours? Uh, no, it's
5: it's like about thirteen.
2: <laughs> oh geez. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can get oh, okay. different in a plane.
5: Yeah. I don't I don't I don't have the tutor to get me there. So you know.
2: No, you said you're leaving from Southern Ontario, right?
5: Yeah, I'm leaving I'm leaving Southern Ontario to head home to Thunder Bay on Saturday, just coming. So yeah. So yeah. I think I'm gonna miss everything. I start back to work on the twentieth.
2: Are you going to stay north of the border, or are you going to go through the states around?
5: No, we'll stay north of the border this time.
2: Okay, so you probably will go through, uh, well, maybe not necessarily. Well, you'll go through the Sioux and everything, right, on your way to Thunder Bay?
5: Yeah. Okay.
2: Is North Bay that far out of the way then for you, if you're coming that way?
5: No, it's just, it's another way to get there. Uh, We can go up through North Bay or, or through Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah.
4: Anyway. Yeah. Don't let Maybe Major Brett Parker down, Mark. Go out of your way. I know. I know, <laughs> right? I'm
5: just thinking, yeah, wow. I've got oh, a personal invite. I <laughs> 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 personal invite. I have to do it. Exactly. How <laughs> do <Happy laughs> you say no.
1: All
0: right, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Ooh. Thank you. Thanks very much. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Ooh. 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 Ooh, ooh, ooh